Let me tell you a secret. Veterans are entering a world full of opportunity, but you can only participate if you know the tricks of personal branding, leveraging your skills in the modern digital economy, and most importantly, positioning your benefits and assets to give you financial control when you stop following orders. I'm Scott Tucker, and I'm here to tell you what they don't want you to know. Welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets, where we show you how to go from apathy and aspiration to autonomy and financial control. What if I told you could dream up the perfect asset class for your money? Would it look something like this? Give you a tax-deferred growth, tax-free income, non-reportable income to the IRS, a tax-free death benefit, basically a self-completing plan to leave a tax-free legacy to your family, allow you to participate in up to double-digit market gains. It locks in those gains that offers a reset. So even when the market crashes, you don't have to make it back up. Gives you protection from losses with a 0% guarantee on the downside. So you don't have to have that worry of a market correction. Really important. Gives you liquidity. Able to borrow or access your own money. You don't have to get permission from a bank like with your home equity. Doesn't have any required minimum distributions at age 70. Or there's no penalty if you want to access the money before age 59 and a half, like with a traditional retirement account. High income earners could participate. So if you're making too much money for Roth IRAs, you could still use it. There's also no annual IRS contribution limits. Put in as much as you want that you can qualify for. Gives you flexible contributions. You don't have to use it or lose it in any given year. And you're not tied down to year after year of payments or investments into a plan. And ultimately, it gives you the long-term total costs comparable to the mutual funds and 401k investments you're already doing. And frankly, the way we do it, it's much less. If you could have all those things, would you care what it's called? Assuming it's not some crazy hedge fund or Bitcoin. Well, it's not. It's called life insurance. And especially the modern technology that's been implemented into life insurance that most financial professionals, most 99% of financial bloggers, and even Dave Ramsey, really don't bother to understand how they work. Hi, I'm Scott Tucker, and welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets. And if you've read my book, Veteran Wealth Secrets, gotten it on Amazon, or maybe early ad- adopter and, and got a free version, but either way, you've learned that ultimately this modern version of insurance is what gives us the financial flexibility and control to actually use your money and not risk it with the Wall Street gambling machine the brainwashing marketing machine that essentially is Wall Street and and what trickles down from it to basically ultimately what ends up being your everyday certified financial planner or having your money tied to vehicles that are susceptible to the government, giving you rules and allowing you permission to access your money. And oh, by the way, make sure you're 
paying them your share. Like, it's ridiculous. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. And for veterans, it sure as hell shouldn't be. It's wrong. It's morally wrong. And that's ultimately why I wrote the book, Veteran Wealth Secrets, and that's why I created U.S. Vet Wealth, to give the right veterans, the right service members, an opportunity that I wish I had known about. Because I didn't want to just prepare for the mediocre post-military life that they had defined for me my whole life. I had read things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and 4-Hour Workweek, and I was like, these guys are doing it. Robert Kiyosaki's a veteran. So many veterans out there. I was like, wait a minute. Why aren't we talking about this? Part of our strategy, at least the one I'll talk about today, the financial control aspect of it, in other episodes, you'll learn about how we talk about identity and self-development and how those are the ultimate builders for wealth. But you got to have a place to put that money. And to be able to have all those benefits to create the flexibility you want, there's nothing else like it. Let me ask you, what's the first thing that you think about when you hear the phrase life insurance, especially in regards to the standard American life insurance company? Most people think of death. Why? Because that's what we think life insurance is about. When you get a corporate job, life insurance is commonly offered as a benefit. And this is because the life insurance that comes along with a corporate job is only about your death. The lump sum paid out to a beneficiary is a benefit for them, not for you. But when you insure your own life as an income-producing asset, much as you protect other assets like your home or car against loss, life insurance becomes an asset. Now, that life insurance is just about having a death benefit is just one more of the myths and misconceptions that many people live by, and unfortunately, many financial professionals, how they understand it. But that makes it so much harder to get your financial lives in order than it ought to be. And I'm going to talk about life insurance in the context of life while you're living. And I want to dispel the myth and finally wake people up to the realities of our financial industry so that, get, so that they can take advantage of this knowledge for themselves. So what is life insurance, really? Remember I said it's about not insuring your death, it's about insuring the income-producing potential of a life. Pretty much everybody thinks that car insurance is for accidents, home insurance is for fires and other catastrophic events, and life insurance is for death, and that's just incorrect. Car insurance and homeowner's insurance are products product resents a net financial loss. You may never see any return on the money that you invest in these insurance products. And even if or when you were fortunate enough to have a major car accident or house fire, over the lifetime of these products, you will not recoup as much money as you invested in them. That is simply a fact. After all, insurance companies are businesses and businesses operate in order to make a profit. Most of their customers ultimately received back more money than they paid into their plans, and none of these companies could stay in business. Term life insurance is also a product because you only pay into it for a specified period of time, 10, 20, or 30 years, during which you are statistically unlikely to die. When the agreed-upon term ends, so does your coverage, and you are left with nothing but the loss of the you know, 20, 50, a month that you spent on that product over the term, whatever it was. 
Permanent life insurance, on the other hand, is not a product. It's an asset class. Real life insurance is about ensuring the potential of a life, not securing a lump sum at the end of a life. Compare this to real estate as an asset class. Everybody thinks real estate's a great investment. Pat yourself on the back, you finally bought a home, right? In fact, the government even incentivizes real estate for military and veterans with the VA loan. Like it's some sort of hot deal. Sure, relative to what the average American gets, yeah, it's a sweet deal. But mortgage lenders and realtors abuse the VA loan by using it as a form of a sales pitch or pressure to buy. They give veterans this cheesy line. You served your country, so now you deserve to own a part of it. Okay, thanks. You know, that makes it seem like open owning real estate is only about being a homeowner and living in the home you bought. Most people believe that owning a home is an investment and that their home is an asset. It's not. An asset is anything that can be owned or controlled to produce value. The home that you buy for yourself to live in is a product. Why? First, because if you're going to see any gain from owning the property, it will only be at the point at which you sell it. Second, most people won't even see a net gain anyways. They will put a put far more money into their home than they ever get back out of it. And few realize this. When calculating what they have earned from their investment, they don't look beyond doing the math at a surface level. If they buy a home for $250,000 and sell it for $300,000 20 years later, they think, great, I made $50,000. But that's probably not at all an accurate accounting of what has occurred just in property taxes. For one thing, Real estate transactions are complicated. When you initially complete the purchase, a lot of players are taking a piece of the pie in the form of various fees. This means that right from the get-go, your house costs you more than the actual asking price. And every month you pay a mortgage, a large chunk of which is interest to the bank. You also have to pay property taxes and insurance premiums every month. Not to mention that over the course of 10, 20, or 30 years, Shit inevitably happens. Roofs, HVAC systems, appliances, these things all have lifespans. And when that lifespan is up, there's no landlord to call to take care of those things for you. When you own a house, you are continually funneling money into it. That's the norm. In the scenario above, the best case would be that the homeowner broke even on the sale of their home. The reality is that they have probably spent more than they gained. Furthermore, real estate can be a lot of trouble. Have you ever owned a property and had your kitchen flood or had the market drop right when you're trying to sell or were trying to sell a house in another country that you're no longer living in? Owning real estate offers limits to your mobility and your flexibility to use your money, to use your assets. It does not give you freedom and liberty. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't own property. I'm saying that homeownership should really only be used probably later in life when you know where you want to stop and settle. Until then, you've got more important and more productive things to do with your time. You could earn more income or add more value that will bring you more income later on. That's just the truth. Now, what might you ask does this have to do with life insurance? Buying a home you intend to live in is like buying a term insurance policy. More likely than not, over the long haul, it will be a net loss for you. Real estate investing, like purchasing a permanent insurance policy as an investment, is another animal completely. 
When you buy real estate as an investment, if you're doing it properly, you go into the transaction with different criteria for the property than if you intend to make the property your permanent home. You don't invest in real estate by hoping a neighborhood maintains its market value as you're paying off the bank and sending property taxes to the government. A real estate investment includes a certain element of control. You don't make the investment without first designing how you pro will profit from it. Now, when you purchase real estate as an investment, you're leveraging a financial institution based on your ability to qualify to use their money. That's the exact same thing that can happen with life insurance if you think of it as an asset class. Most people only buy insurance to protect against a potential catastrophe, but the reality is life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. Life insurance is an asset class that ensures the income producing potential of an individual life. What I said before. And what this means is you don't have to die to use the asset. Another thing that life insurance industry and the real estate industry have in common is that they tend to attack horrible communicators, salespeople, who are told by their firms to aggressively sell their products based on the fear of missing out. Now, poorly trained insurance agents and financial advisors learn scripts to convince people to purchase death insurance out of fear. Gosh, what, are you, what if you die tomorrow, Mr. Client? Your family would be destitute. No shit. That's not helpful. It's not motivating someone to see opportunity. And that's why... I'm making this episode to communicate that what you have probably been led to believe about various asset classes has only been part of the story because financial advisors and realtors are constantly failing out of the industry. There's always new guys. And of course they aren't in the industry long enough to truly become experts. And anyway, their firms don't want them to be experts. They just want them to sell, bring in leads. They also lie to them about being a self-employed business owner. But that's another story. I get into that in my book. So here's what it means to insure your life with a modern life insurance strategy. Now, veterans are coming out of the military with options. They can get a job. Or maybe they don't want a traditional job. Maybe they want to you know, be independent and have their freedom, which means they want money and time. Now, I think that those who recognize the opportunity right now will see that in the long run, getting a traditional job is the more difficult route. When your primary focus is to get your time back, then you start thinking about what you're going to do with that time that you want so desperately. And for a lot of people, the process of figuring out how you're going to make that happen allows creativity to come out. This is because they inevitably find that they want to spend that time providing value. And that means creating. That's what the human species is here for. Some people create things directly and some are more creative at doing the hard work that's needed to help other creators get their work out to the world. But we are all creators. And the difference between the traditional job and the entrepreneurial path, in most cases, is the difference between working to realize someone else's vision and creating your own. Now, once you start to create, you're producing something. You're giving back to society. Whether you're making a widget, painting, or whatever you're doing. You are an income-producing asset. And as such, you have financial worth. How much money do you make in a year? How much money do you make in 10 years? 
What if you invest a portion of your income every month? If you were no longer able to make that monthly investment, what's the potential for loss there? When you add it up over time. You probably think that I'm asking these questions within the context that you might die suddenly and unexpectedly, but that's not what I'm asking at all. I'm asking because what if you decide you don't want to work anymore? Or what if you decide you want to change fields or start a new career or travel the world? I'm talking about insuring yourself as an income-producing asset so that you can reap the benefits of the insurance policy, i.e., you know, access to the money, tax benefits, the growth involved without risk, all of that, while you're still alive. So many people think that they are stuck in jobs that they hate. And they are, in a sense, because if they quit their job, they're cutting off their income. They haven't insured their income in a way that can benefit them. But if we get our priorities right, then we can have so much more control over our lives. Insuring the income-producing asset, you, is mobile, cheaper, and easier than other kinds of investments like the stock market or even the real estate market. It's no different from a retirement plan or a real estate strategy in that it's simply another financial vehicle that you can leverage to build your portfolio. So are you overlooking what insurance really is? If you're not thinking about life insurance as an asset class, then you're missing out on a whole aspect of your financial life. You're just completely ignoring it. And it's ridiculous that we've taught everybody to do that. And I'm thinking it's because of all the you know, shysters in the 1980s and all the people that existed, you know, just the stockbrokers and Wolf of Wall Street. There's people hawking whole life insurance, the inefficient stuff, the same way that mortgage lenders were hawking subprime mortgages that caused the real estate bubble back in 2008. But I also think insurance has been ignored because insurance companies were being smart and innovative from places like Des Moines, Iowa. They weren't being flashy. They were not running Super Bowl ads. They weren't trying to beat the stock market. They didn't have any Bernie Madoff situations. They didn't have any Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns crashes. Heck, they didn't have any mom and pop bank and credit union FDIC takeover situations. Hundreds of banks fail every year, not insurance companies. They were just sitting nice and quiet, and they're not good at marketing themselves. And frankly, they need people like me to recognize their value and apply it in such a way that we can get this asset class into the hands of more of the right people. And finding the right people is key. You know, reputable financial advisors, real fiduciaries, should be giving their clients better long-term advice, not just telling them to save for retirement. They should be educating all the young officers and NCOs out there who haven't have an extra few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars a month and who think they want to go buy a Ford Mustang that there are better things they could be doing with that money. Things that will increase in value rather than draining value out of it. Because there's going to be a time that when they're going to need that money. Look at it this way. Military life is about following orders. All kinds of things might cross your mind that you might like to do, but they are all inevitably met with a big no while we're in the military. So the one thing we have to look forward to is transition. When we approach transition with fear because we don't know what to do with ourselves, we're in the completely wrong mindset. and We haven't prepared for it at every level, emotionally, spiritually, socially, and financially. Then at transition, 
we hear a whole lot of no's all over again. At least we think we do. And we say a whole lot of no's too. At that point, transition becomes all about money. It retroactively redefines our service to our country as having been just a job when we signed up to serve. You can talk about compound interest, you know, what Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world, but we've been on the wrong side of compound interest and we just ignore it. And that opportunity cost is a negligence. It's like a tax. Overpaying for some things is a tax. And we're all overpaying for our insurance in the military since for the most part, most people are healthy. These dollars that are taken out of your paycheck for insurance every month are redirected in a weird way, but they essentially go straight to the pockets of a government contractor. So why not privatize it? Why not prepare our service members to be veterans by giving them the freedom to choose and use their own tools and resources instead of just teaching them a cookie-cutter approach to financial planning? A veteran is no longer in the military. You get bonuses, but you don't have to follow orders anymore, nor should we. So our thesis is to reposition a financial strategy or portions of it for veterans who have a very opportunity-focused mindset and show them how to leverage the new financial industry technology that's made av- been made available over the last you know, two decades or so and perfected really in the last couple of years, specifically on the insurance side. No other asset class can do what insurance does. So we recognize how it's created opportunities for veterans and military spouses to live a more intentional life. Whether they're starting their own business, wanting to tap into a new industry, want more financial flexibility and freedom, or just want to learn what it's all about. So I hope you enjoyed this introduction into what the modern version of insurance is and frankly what the real strategies are in in the next few episodes we'll get into the other aspects of insurance and how you can strategize it and your plan and how we use it for our clients at us vet wealth as a portion of giving them that financial flexibility and control as they try to identify what their identity is and create the life they want their post-military life. So look forward to talking to you next time. We'll see you on the next episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Please rate and review. Check us out on YouTube at Veteran Wealth Secrets. And of course, you can get my book, Veteran Wealth Secrets, on Amazon or get the first three chapters for free at VeteranWealthSecrets.com. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Veteran Well Secrets. Be sure to subscribe to us on all the podcast channels, also on YouTube, and share it with a friend. Visit our website at usvetwealth.com to get access to all of our free resources, including the first three chapters of Veteran Well Secrets, the post-military guide to gaining autonomy and control. You can get that today on our website, first three chapters for free, or you can go to amazon.com if you want the Kindle or paperback. We have other resources all over the website, so check out usvetwealth.com to learn more.